Welcome to AEM Early Access, a collaboration between Brown University Emergency Medicine and the editors of the Academic Emergency Medicine Journal. I'm Dr. Gita Pensa, and here's what we've got for you today. Effective feedback is a critical part of competency-based education, and in recent years, there has been increased attention paid to its complexities and factors contributing to that complexity. Today in the AEM Education and Training podcast, we're looking at feedback in a slightly different light with a new paper entitled, A Qualitative Assessment of Emergency Medicine Residents' Receptivity to Feedback. We have two of the authors here, Dr. Jenna Fredette and Dr. Richard Bounds. Dr. Fredette is the Emergency Medicine Program Director and Medical Education Fellowship Director at Christiana Care in Newark, Delaware. She's interested in the creation of functional and effective feedback systems, novel curricular development, furthering competency-based medical education, and fostering faculty development. Dr. Rich Bounds is the Program Director for the Emergency Medicine Residency Program at the University of Vermont Medical Center. And prior to moving to Vermont in 2017 to start the new program, Dr. Bounds spent a decade at the Christiana Care Health System, where he was the Associate Program Director and also the President of Delaware ASAP. His scholarship interests focus on medical education, and he has served as a Medical Education Fellowship Director at both institutions. We're excited to have them both on the program today, and don't forget to read the full text of this article available on our blog at brownemblog.com. Welcome both of you to the podcast. Hi, Dr. Fredette. Hi, how are you? And Dr. Bounds. Hi, Gita. So it's nice to have you both here, and we are going to be talking about feedback. And so feedback is a pretty hot topic in med ed circles, and uh, a lot of research is focused on how we as educators should be giving it. But your study looks at the other end, which has not really previously been investigated in terms of um, the resident response to feedback they receive in the emergency department. So, so first, let's just set the stage. What has the majority of research around feedback so far really concentrated on? Well, Gita, there is so much research on feedback out there, and it's hard to succinctly bring it down into a couple of sentences. Uh, but I think that what we know and what is really um, you know, out there that everybody is pretty familiar with is that uh, feedback really needs to be timely, it needs to be specific, and it needs to be actionable for our learners. And that the credibility of the source, meaning the feedback giver, is really important as well as the relationship between the feedback giver and the feedback receiver. And that is the stuff that has been researched in lots of different ways and lots of different communities outside of medicine and within medicine. But as far as researching that with residents, it's been done, uh, but not as much with emergency medicine residents. So what was previously known then about resident response to feedback and how did that inform your study? So Jenna and I, when we did our literature review uh, in preparing for this study, uh, we found that there was some newer literature out there about residents' response to feedback, although, as she said, most of it had centered on the delivery of feedback from the faculty to the learner or uh, student or resident. Uh, but what was out there was that um, there's a significant role of self-assessment uh, in the response to feedback. So when a resident or a learner of any type of student is hearing feedback from someone who is a superior or a teacher, they're sort of um, seeing that through their own uh, lens of how they think they're doing. So 
if a student or resident thinks that they're doing a great job and thinks that they're ahead of their peers and they're feeling very confident, then if they hear something constructive, uh, their own, you know, human defense mechanisms might um, cause them to um, discredit that feedback or or filter it in a way that um, that gives them the the sense that they're okay. Um, and that's all about sort of preserving the ego, I guess, if you want to get into mm -hmm. psychology literature. Mm -hmm. um, but there there is some uh, literature out there about the balance of confidence versus competence and uh, learners knowing what they know and knowing what they don't know. And so that was something we hoped to explore with our study in getting a sense of what is the discrepancy between how faculty view the feedback they give and how residents uh, view the feedback that they receive. Okay. So your study is a single center qualitative study at a, a large emergency medicine residency program. And this was the 2016, 2017 academic year. So you had 15 residents participating in this study. How, how did you select these residents? So we started out by working with a qualitative researcher from the University of Delaware, um, who's not medical, but does most of his qualitative research in health fields. And uh, in meeting with him and going over our ideas, he helped us with our study design. And um, what we settled on was that about 15 residents would be an appropriate number uh, in order to capture the themes appropriately and get a sense of the entire spectrum of resident viewpoints, PGY 1 through 3, and across different performance levels at our institution. So um, in our study, as we detail in the paper, we put out to all the residents if they'd like to participate in this study and that it would be voluntary, confidential, totally separate from their um, evaluations and their performance um, in the program and that their leadership would not be a part of the actual uh, data. It would not be de-identified um, to know who was uh, saying what in the interviews. And, um, and pretty much everyone who was um, selected um, was excited to participate and offered to participate in the study. Um, we had a, a third-party researcher just kind of randomly generate um, the list of residents that could be selected. And in working with their schedules, uh, those 15 uh, were chosen. Okay. And um, I know that they were selected into these high, middle, or and low-performing cohorts. And just as an aside... Did the residents selected know if they were in a high, middle, or low-performing cohort? Oh, right. No, they, they didn't actually know that. So, so to try to get a spectrum of performance levels across our 60 residents at our institution, um, we um, divided them up into three uh, sort of thirds based on high, middle, and low performance. And that was done really for the study design. Um, it was That was um, decided upon and, and kind of that rating was generated based on the CCC evaluations and assessment mm -hmm. process. And, um, and our CCC group divided everyone up for the purposes of this study into those three categories. And then when we selected uh, residents for participation, they were, we selected a, a group from each um, level of performance. And since that was only used for this um, study, that was not shared with the residents, which group they were a part of. And honestly, at our institution, everyone got an individualized learning plan and all the residents have something they're working on. Mm -hmm. um, and so these categorizations were not used in any other way. Um, and uh, it was just for the purposes of our study. Okay. So how were the faculty 
instructed to give feedback to these residents? Yeah, so we had a previously pretty well-developed feedback program uh, at the time. We were not technologically advanced. We had a shift card. And the residents, uh, it was kind of what we call a poll system. So the residents were really trained to pull feedback from the faculty. And they did that by handing this physical shift card to the faculty to prompt the feedback interaction. And the faculty at the time were trained that it should be done after every shift, um, you know, sometimes informally during the shift, but ideally more formally at the end of the shift with verbal feedback. Uh, again, that this should be timely and actionable and specific. And that was a skill set that a lot of the faculty were still working on, but doing pretty well with. Um, and that they should have a verbal conversation as well as a written conversation uh, in this shift card, kind of write down everything that they had talked about verbally. Um, um, and so that is kind of the training that our faculty had gone through. And we're, we're in the middle of going through when we uh, started the study. Okay, great. So tell us a little more about the study design and your methods. Yeah, so the, um, the study design was developed with our qualitative researcher, uh, like I said. And these were confidential one-on-one -on -one interviews. Um, they were semi-structured interviews. So we uh, worked with that researcher, Barrett is his name, um, and we came up with an interview guide, um, sort of bullet points to talk about um, in the interviews, but they were very conversational and um, he allowed the interview to go where the resident led uh, in terms of the discussion. These are recorded. They were generally about 45 minutes in length is my understanding. And uh, mm -hmm. following the interviews, then Barrett actually analyzed the recordings, identified the themes, and then he would review those themes with us in general, uh, make sure that we agree that those themes are important to further analyze. And then he would continue the thematic analysis until saturation was achieved. All right. So let's talk about what you found. First, were there any differences between the high, middle, and those low performing groups? There actually was not a difference between those groups, which I have to say we were a little bit surprised by because in our head, you know, we really thought that our lower performing residents, or it's weird to say lower performing, but the folks that we categorize that way may have been getting more feedback or more detailed feedback or more constructive feedback. And so that their perceptions of the feedback system we had in place might be different, uh, mm -hmm. but it actually did not pan out to be the case. There were no differences between any of the groups. Okay. And so tell us a little bit more about what you did find and uh, what factors affected that you found affected feedback culture and whether this was consistent with previous literature. Yeah. So the first thing that we found, not surprisingly, is that our feedback culture was no different than the feedback culture that had been described many times over in the literature, that um, residents really appreciated feedback that was specific and actionable, that they mm -hmm. did not enjoy feedback that said doing well, read more, or you know could be better, but didn't have a whole lot of specificity behind it. They very much appreciated feedback that... Um, was timely and they identified timely as within a couple of weeks. Uh, it didn't necessarily need to be right away, but six months later was probably not enough. Um, and that they really um, felt like our setting made feedback very difficult, it made the feedback interaction a little bit difficult because we have such a 
noisy and interactive environment that finding places to really have more detailed conversations was difficult. Um, the other thing that was looked at was that that's previously been looked at is uh, attending credibility. So the credibility of the feedback giver is really important to the person receiving it. And we also found that, but what was interesting was that we found how much personality was a driver of that perceived credibility. Very interesting. Um, and another interesting part of your study was this look into feedback seeking and feedback avoidant behavior. So what can you tell us about that? Yeah, so this was really interesting to us. And at the time, because we had a little bit of a resident-driven process for feedback, and I, I like it that way. I think it's nice that the in, important that the residents are involved uh, in pulling the feedback from their faculty. Um, but because they were kind of the one prompting the feedback by handing out the shift cards, they, you know, ideally we wanted it to happen every shift, but people forget it didn't happen every single shift. So they could just as easily kind of not prompt the faculty member uh, to give them feedback. And so what we found was that residents, when they perceived that they were maybe having an off day, or that they weren't doing the best job that they wanted to do, were very willing to just not get feedback that day. Or if they felt that a particular attending in them were not seeing eye to eye, they would just not go seek feedback. And so that was really interesting to us and probably has implications for CCCs, um, because if you're only getting one subset of data that was gathered and the resident was avoiding getting other types of feedback, you might not have a very holistic view of the resident. Okay. And once that feedback was given, what did you find about factors that affected resident receptivity to that feedback? Yeah. And in line with some of the more recent literature that we had talked about, um, we found that residents really do filter the feedback that they receive through their own sort of lens of self-assessment and how they think they're doing, but also based on uh, the practice style that they perceive on the part of that other faculty member or that, that attending. So, uh, for example, if a resident presents a case and, uh, and their management plan is to, um, you know, do very minimal workup and reassure the patient, but then their attending says, well, let's just get some labs and we should probably get a CAT scan, then the resident may say in their minds when they're being told the feedback is you really should order labs and a CT for this type of complaint, they may be thinking, well, that attending is more conservative than I am and, mm -hmm. and they're just trying to, uh, you know, uh, avoid risk and that sort of thing. And, and so we found that, you know, there everybody knows in emergency medicine, there's a lot of areas of gray. It's not always black and white. There's a lot of art of medicine in terms of how to manage patients, mm -hmm. how to work things up. Um, so we found that residents oftentimes in our setting can spin the feedback uh, when it's constructive to, to say, this is something that I actually think is um, right or wrong, black and white, versus this is something where I feel like the attending is just practicing differently than the way I want to practice. And we found that was important for us to understand um, so that when our faculty are delivering the feedback to residents, they can actually call out, you know, giving up and effort for anaphylaxis, that is something you must do. That is a black and white thing um, where there's mm -hmm. no gray uh, versus ordering tests for a complaint of abdominal pain may be an area where you can um, kind of see where you're comfortable in your practicing. 
All right. So are, are there any limitations um, around the study that you'd like to highlight? I think the biggest thing is that it's a single center study. Uh, we do have a large center. We were implementing milestone uh, and competency-based uh, education uh, around the same time that all the other programs were around the country through the recommendations of CORD. Uh, but in our setting, there were oftentimes one or two residents in, a, in an area of the ED where there are a couple of different faculty members. And so residents could often choose which attending they wanted to present to. And that may not be the case in other settings. Uh, and also, the uh, as Jenna mentioned earlier, the feedback was really driven by the resident at the end of the shift to ask for it, to give a shift card, um, to stimulate that conversation. And uh, that may differ than um, the, the methods and approach in other settings. Got it. So what do you think we should come away with from this study? And maybe what study would you like to see come next? Uh, I'd love to see some uh, young, very inspiring person come and tell us what to do next. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think that the thing that I found so powerful about this all these years that we have been looking at this data and compiling this manuscript is that it's really important for program leaders to know that this is going on. Again, like we talked about with our clinical competency committees that depending on the type of feedback system you have at your institution, we all know that we might not be getting the most um, accurate or whole picture of our residents, but it may be in part driven by this. I think it's important for our faculty to know that this goes on because it will help them understand maybe like what Rich was just talking about how to um, discuss why that they're making changes to resident plans and may help the resident understand more the art of medicine. And I think residents should be aware of this. I think just from a receptivity standpoint, understanding why certain things may be very triggering or why certain things they may not want to incorporate and really trying to explore those factors will be helpful for them to interact with their feedback more and create a um, feedback ecosystem that really allows our residents to receive their feedback and have it be a lot more impactful. Well, Thank you so much to both of you um, for your work and for coming to talk about it on the podcast. And I am looking forward to seeing what that inspiring young person comes up with next. <laughs> well, thank you for having us. We're really excited to do this. It's been, this has been a labor of love for us and we're really excited that it's being disseminated. And so we really appreciate your time in letting us talk about it. Yes, thank you, Gita. Well, definitely our pleasure. Thanks for listening to this AEM Education and Training Podcast. Be sure to read the full text of this article, available on our blog at brownemblog.com. Subscribe to all our AEM podcasts on Apple Podcasts. Search for AEM Early Access, all one word. Today's music is by Scott Holmes. I'm Dr. Gita Pensa, and we'll see you next time.